All righty. Well, welcome everyone to the eight. Uh, glad you guys are here. We are in part two of our series called The Fullness of Life. And today we're diving deeper into our first core value here at St. Mark. So everything we do at St. Mark Church rotates around our mission statement and our three core values. So our first core value is come as you are. Come as you are. When I was growing up, I used to think church and God was like playing Simon Says with me. Okay, uh, God says you need to learn this hymn. Okay, uh, Simon says you have to fast this now. Uh, Simon says that you have to come to church by this time. And it was all about do this and do that. And I felt it was as if God was playing Simon Says with me. Simon says do this, Simon says do that. Simon says don't date in high school, but everyone else is doing it and it's so much fun. Okay, but Simon says I can't do this. And I felt so jealous of everyone else because I felt like it was just like, like I felt like God was just being a party pooper on me of, of God just playing Simon Says with me. That God says this and God says that. But as I got older and I started looking deeper into what did actually Jesus say? Like the man came down and lived with us for 33 years and went public for three years saying such a wide array of different speeches. What did he say? He gave such a, a wide array of different analogies to point out one specific thing, that it is a relationship. One example that he gave is saying, just, dads, just like as you love your children, and you have a father-son relationship, it's the same thing with me and you. Like, actually, when you actually pray to my dad, I don't want you to just say, oh, thee, thy majesty, great God. No, say, our father. Call him father. It is based on a relationship. Another analogy that Jesus gave in one of his talks was saying that I am a vine. I am actually the legit true vine that I am the core, I am the stem, and everything that branches off of me is you. I want you to be grafted with me in a personal and intimate way. Like, I want you and me to be like this. It's not me going like this to you, but I want to be a vine, and you, I want you to be grafted into me and growing from me, that your source of, of power and nutrients is coming from me. Another analogy that he gave that was relatable to his audience Jesus, being one of the best communicators of all time, looked at his audience and he saw a bunch of shepherds and he said, okay, you guys will get this. Shepherds, just as you take care of your sheep and you want what's best for them and you're always taking care of them, making sure that they're close by to you. It's the same thing with me and you. I love you unconditionally. I want you to be close because I'm here to protect you, to, to love you and nurse you and show you the fullness of life. I'm here to do that to you. Jesus gave all these and, and more analogies to show that it is a relationship. What made Jesus so appealing was that people who were nothing like him liked him. People who were nothing like Jesus liked him. Because there was something about him always giving these speeches, these sermons, about saying that I, I want you to be grafted into me, that I love you, you are my sheep, I am the shepherd, I'm here to love you. There was something appealing to his talks that gathered such a wide array of people, including Zacchaeus, who we talked about today in the liturgy sermon. We look at categories of people and we label people different things, but Jesus labeled people in a very different way than what we think. Just to give you a little glimpse, just to give you a glimpse of how 
Jesus appeal to such a wide array of people. Then all the tax collectors, as we read now from, from what Luke recorded, St. Luke recorded, then all the tax collectors and the sinners, right there, the author is now wanting to say that there's tax collectors and that there are sinners, like two different categories of people. Like we talked about in the, in, in the liturgy sermon is that tax collectors were like in their own little category. Like they had like a negative like perception of who they are. So they were bad people and then there was other bad people. So there was tax collectors and then there were sinners. So these two groups and then all the tax collectors and then the sinners drew near to Jesus to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes who are the, the big religious leader, the Jewish, the people that knew, they, they knew the Bible, they knew their stuff. The Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, this man, like he's receiving sinners, not just receiving sinners, he's eating with them. When you eat with someone, you're, you're having a more personal relationship with them. For me to see you on a Sunday, say, hey, how are you doing? Good to see you. I'll give you a hug, whatever. But then I say, hey, you want to come over for dinner tonight? That I'm, we're having more of a deeper relationship. So Jesus is not just saying, hey, I love you tax collectors, I love you Samaritans, I love you uh, sinners. No, he's saying, hey, what are you doing tonight? You want, to, you want to grab some food? And he would begin to eat with them. So Jesus spoke this parable to them. He's starting to notice that these Jewish leaders are like saying, like, why, is, why is Jesus like, why is he doing that? Like, why is he eating like, it's one thing to, like, be nice and cordial to, like, to the tax collectors and sinners. It's another thing to be, like, to eat with them. So Jesus said, you know what? Have a seat. Let me give you a couple of examples to show you who I am. So Jesus spoke this parable to them, saying, What man, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? Jesus now is beginning to give an analogy that's relatable to his audience. As he's having dinner at this restaurant or at someone's house, that he is, he's seeing some shepherds there. He sees a group in the crowd that are shepherds. He says, you know what, they'll get this. Shepherds, if I say you have 100 sheep and one starts going off, aren't you gonna go grab that one? And the shepherds are like, yeah, Jesus, okay. And, and Jesus says, and when that last sheep is found, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. The shepherds are like, okay, yeah, I'll be happy. Like, I don't know if I'll be like rejoicing, but yeah, I'll be happy that I found the lost one. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. The shepherds at this point are saying, okay, Jesus, I don't think I'll throw a party if I found like that lost sheep. I mean, I'll be happy, but I'm not gonna like text all my friends and tell them, guess what? I found the lost sheep. Like, I wouldn't, like you're, I think you're going a little bit overboard. I get your point, Jesus, but you're going, you're overdoing it. But I get it. I get it. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. Then Jesus looks around the crowd. He sees the shepherds. Then he sees another group of people having dinner of women. And he said this, women, or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. So just to kind of give you some historical and cultural context to this. So at, during this time, 
like a lot of young women would have um, like a, a headpiece that had 10 silver coins on them. And I know this is kind of weird, but if once that woman would get married, like the husband would get her and the, the fine piece of jewelry. Like it was kind of like a dowry. So like it was extremely valuable to the woman. So Jesus is talking to the ladies. Ladies, if you lost a diamond ring, like you got 10 diamond rings and you lose one of them, Aren't you going to sweep, or aren't you going to move all the furniture around and search everywhere and pray to number oneness? Aren't you going to do all this stuff until you find it? Aren't you going to do all that? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who, who, who repents. Then, then Jesus finishes the sermon with a third analogy that many of, you, uh, many of you guys are familiar with. Of a boy living with his dad, but just living with his dad. Completely checked out from his dad. Like the, the, the dad was living, the son was living with his dad, but just like always in his room, always on Snapchat, always when he's at the dinner table, he has his headphones on. He's not really, he's there with his dad, but not really with his dad. And the son says, Dad, let's just pretend like you die now. Let's just pretend. And you just give me my inheritance now. Like, give me what's part of, like, what, what I deserve. Just give it to me now. The son, the father, out of his love for his son, said, you know what? You're here, but not really here. But because I love you, I'm going to give you the free will to do as you wish. You want out of here? Go in peace. You want your money? Go. The son, as you know, reached a low point in life. And he says, what on earth am I doing? Like, I had it all, but I didn't appreciate being in the presence of my dad. I didn't appreciate what I had. And as he came back, and he arose and came to his father. But when he was still just a great way off, his father saw him and... Where have you been this whole time? You know that you should have been here from the beginning. You're the stupid person that walked away from the beginning. Why did you do that? You know that you had, I, I gave you everything here. Or somebody that hasn't come to church for a while. Where have you been? You know, your parents have been praying for you forever. Where have you been? They've been praying so hard. You're so, I'm so happy you're here. What did you do with your hair? <laughs> His father saw him and had compassion ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Jesus ends the sermon by finishing up this, wrapping up these three analogies. For the father saying, for my son, not a punk, he was dead. But you know what? That's done. He's alive now. He was lost but that's the past. He is found. He is alive. Jesus drilled these three analogies at this dinner party to make one point. I look at all of you as who is lost and who is found. Who is in darkness? Who is in light? Who is dead and who is alive? This is the way that Jesus looked at everyone. You and I, we classify people as 
I remember like in high school, like, who are the gothics? Who are the gays? Who are the whatever? We classify people as who's iPhone, who's Android, who's Republican, who's Democrat. These are the labels that we give people. We classify people in certain ways, subconsciously or consciously. Jesus only labeled people as two things. Who's lost and who's found? Who's dead? Who's alive? I don't care, scribe, Pharisee, Samaritans, tax collector, sinners, that all that's, who cares about all those labels? I don't care about that. I care about who is, who is dead that needs life. Who is lost that needs to be found. This is what is true of Jesus. And what is true of Jesus should be true of us. What is true of our physician should be true of us. How many of us, people that walk in the door, we have a certain label for them instead of the label that Jesus looked at people? I intentionally wanted to bring this icon here. When the followers of Jesus said, I am on a mission now to bring the fullness of life to others, just as my life has been rocked, I am now need to continue to bring the fullness of who Jesus is to others. So St. Mark said, I'll take my assignment. Egypt, sure. What, how, what boat do I need to get on? Do I need to get there? Tell me, I'll, I'll be right there. St. Mark got to Egypt, and he saw the craziest stuff. He saw people worshiping cats and pyramids and just the weirdest stuff, a funky language. He saw all this stuff, and he said, okay, with this culture that I see, how can I bring Jesus to this culture? How can I bring the fullness of who he is, just as how he had transformed my life? He saw me as dead, now I'm alive. I was in darkness, now I'm in light. Just as he saw me as that, how can I bring that now to Egypt? Okay, you guys like sing songs like this. Okay, you know what? We can keep like your music, but let's add some words about Jesus. You do this like in, as far as your phronic worship. Okay, let's see what we can work with that. Oh, you use this language? Okay, let's see what we can do with that. He took... Their, their, their culture, their philosophy, and said, how can I embed Jesus, the Son of God, in the middle of this? Just as St. Mark did that 2,000 years ago, we are called to do the same as Orthodox Christians. How can we bring the beauty of our ancient faith to Atlanta, to your work, to your classmates, to your relationship? It's the exact same thing, but in a different year. If there has ever been a Christian that has made you feel degraded, oh, you don't know this verse? You don't know that? You don't know we do this in church? If there's been any Christian that made you feel that, that's our fault as Christians. That's not who Jesus was. Jesus saw whoever there was and got down to their level. He became personal. He became pastoral to whoever he came encounter with. If there was ever a Christian that made you feel little because of mistakes, because you don't know this or you don't know that, that's our fault as Christians. That's not who Jesus is. I'll give another example written from, from St. Matthew. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw they said to his disciples, Where does your teacher, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need 
of a physician, but those who are sick. Again, Jesus is delivering the message. I've, I'm, I'm coming for those who are sick that need life, for those that are seeking healing. And they kept on giving him a hard time of him going, breaking every cultural boundary. He broke all that of his time in order to, to just to simplify that I'm there to bring people from darkness into light. Jesus continues to give it to them, these, these religious leaders. I want you to go and learn what this means. This is what Jesus now is saying to these, to these hot-shot religious leaders. They know their Torah. They know the Bible. So I want you to go read this and tell me what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Here he's, he's, he's quoting a verse from, from the book of Hosea. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Another dinner party the same end message. I'm here to bring those who are sick to a physician. I'm not here to come to the people who says, yeah, yeah, thank God, thank God. Everything is great. You know, I thank God. Everything's great. Thank God. I didn't, you just, I'm not coming for those people. I'm coming for the ones that are saying, you know what? I don't have all my life together. And I know there's more to life than this. Jesus came for those people, for the sick. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, their message was change and you can join us. Change your, your, your filthy habits, your filthy lifestyle, and then you can join us. What did Jesus say? Join. Come, and then you will change. Come. Come to me. I'm here as your visit. Come, talk, let's build a relationship, and then you will change. Our core value number one, come as you are. People who were nothing like Jesus gravitated toward him. And what is true of Christ should be true of us. Regardless of your background, regardless of your background or past, your Savior invites you to come and see. Come as you are. Regardless of your background and past, your Savior invites you to come and see. But there are three prerequisites in order for you to come as you are. First prerequisite, sickness is a prerequisite. Sickness is a prerequisite. Prerequisite in order for you to come as you are is for me to acknowledge I don't have it all together, that I am sick. There's some parts of my life that, that only I know that I need to change. Sickness is a prerequisite for me to acknowledge, as we read about Zacchaeus, for me to acknowledge I am a wee little man. There is no sin. There is no addiction. There is no obstacle. There is no hardship that's outside of what Jesus is able to heal. I can't tell you how many people say, well, like, I know everyone at church is, like, all churchy and they do all this stuff. But, like, I'm kind of, like, they don't know, like, my path. They don't know, like, what I'm struggling with. There is nothing. There's, there's no line that you can say, oh, you, you, did, oh, you did that? Okay, well, never mind about the whole come as you are thing. There's no, there's no that line does not exist. The, the, the boundary, it, there is no boundary to where Jesus would say, you are not allowed to find healing. Sickness is a prerequisite. Second prerequisite, being an unbeliever does not, doesn't, does not disqualify you. Being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you. Some people will say, well, like, the whole Trinity thing is kind of, like, confusing. That seems, like, overboard. I don't really believe in that. Like the whole body and blood thing, that, that's kind of freaky. Um, I'll pass on that. 
and, and that's fine. If you're one of those, that's completely fine. Come as you are. Let's have a discussion. Let's chat about your thoughts of where you think of this kind of stuff. Come, let's chat. This stuff wasn't embedded in, in, in you know, the past couple of decades. Let's talk about you know, how people that have followed Jesus, what's their view of this stuff for the past 2,000 years? Let's chat about it. Even the people that followed Jesus, that left everything and followed him, and changed the world because of them following Jesus, they still questioned Jesus. How many people were at the cross? How many people still questioned? How many people still questioned somebody that, that, that predicted his death, rose from the dead, had breakfast on the beach the next day, and he said, touch. And he says, uh, I don't know. Like, it seems like too much like a fairy tale kind of thing. Doubting is okay. Doubting is okay. You're in good company with, with Thomas and many others. Some people say, you know, orthodoxy is like, it's good for my parents, but it's not for me. Like, it's, not, it's, it's good for my parents and their generations, but it's not for me. Okay, just come. Come. Let's, let's, let's have a conversation. You don't have to believe everything from the get-go 100%, but let's have a conversation. It is based on a relationship. No one's going to come and say, oh, well, for you to take a next step into liturgy, you've got to make sure you have these six points and the three sub-points under sub, uh, point four number four. You have to make sure you get this right before you can take a step forward. Come as you are. Let's have a conversation. It is a journey. It is a relationship. Your third and final prerequisite to come as you are. Coming as I am forces me to focus on where I am rather than where I am not. Coming as I am forces me to focus on where I am rather than where I am not. Any person that came through and interacted with Jesus, take the Samaritan woman, for example. Take anyone. Jesus said, I want you to heal from your past, but our direction is this way. Why in any type of orthodox liturgical service, why are we always facing this way? The past is there. We go from darkness, from, from the west, toward the east, toward lightness, toward new life, to beginning a new start. Me coming as I am forces me to focus on where I am and where I need to go instead of the past, which is pulling me down. I'm not saying that you just dismiss the past. We need to find healing from the past, of course. But our focus is moving forward. Our, fo our, our focus is moving forward together to the physician, toward healing, toward life. Come as you are. Just as Philip told Nathaniel, dude, I don't know the answer to your question, but just come. Come and see. As you say, well, is this church, like, is it too Egyptian? Is it too whatever? Come as you are. Our view of church has been the view for the past 2,000 years. It is a hospital, and I know you're sick and tired of me hearing that, but I cannot reiterate that enough. It is a hospital for healing for me and for all of us. All right, let's stand up for a prayer. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, there's always stuff that's, that's running through our head, that's whispering in our ear of, 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 of telling us of, of bad things we've done and how unworthy we are and, and just pulling us down. But, Lord, those are not the voices from you.
because you, Lord, just look at me as someone you love, someone that you love to death, someone that you want to give a new life to, someone that you want to renew, someone that you want to, to begin a fresh, new, clean start and renew and reset me. Lord, help me to realize that I'm sick. Help me to realize that, you know, I don't have it all together, that I need to come to the physician. And for you to come into various aspects of my life and not just on Sunday mornings. Help my unbelief. Help me to come with my questions. Because, Lord, we want to be a church family of, of, of not just having life together, but for us to lean on each other and for us to come as you are to you, to your table, toward your healing, which is our medicine. Through the prayers of all your saints, hear us as we all pray together, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever.